God, thank you so much for who you are and for what you do in our lives. God, we are just so blessed to be here, to be in this place where we can come and worship and come and be uh, with each other and come and hear from you. God, we have, uh, we have just spent the last few minutes just lifting up our voices in praise to you. God, our, our voices do not do justice to how much praise you deserve, but God, we give you what we can. We give you all that we can. And God, as we open up the word this morning, we just pray that you would once again just speak through your word. God, speak through me once again. Would the words that come out of my mouth not be uh, my words, but would they be your words for your people on your day? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in week three of our Ruth series. We've been going through uh, just the book of Ruth and, uh, and just kind of taking it slowly but surely, trying to see what God shows us through the book of Ruth, uh, and we'll, we'll play catch up here in a second, but this morning we're going to be, this is week three, so we're going to be in chapter three, so if you want to turn there with me, if you want to follow along, we'll be in Ruth chapter three. Uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles, need the page, it's on page 226, uh, if you want to follow along. Uh, Ruth is, has been just a, a really fun story to go through so far, uh, and it just gets even more fun from this point on, uh, to be honest. So uh, I'm excited to dig in today, but at first I just want to make sure we're all on the same page as we do every week, just kind of recap here. Uh, and in chapter one, we meet uh, Naomi. Naomi is kind of the main character, or obviously the book's called Ruth, but she is a, na- a main character of the book of Ruth. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, uh, back when they were together, they, there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means house of food and there was no food or house of bread and there was no bread in Bethlehem. There was no food in Bethlehem. There was no food in the house of bread. And so they left Bethlehem. They left, literally they left the promised land to go to another land, a land named Moab. Moab is a land of kind of Really, it's a land of sin, if we can just be honest about it. There's a lot of sexual sin there. There's a lot of idolatry there. There's a lot of polygamy there. There's a lot of uh, polytheism there. There's all kinds of stuff in this land of Moab. Moab is outside of the promised land, uh, and it's just... It's not the place for the people of God. But here we have this Israelite man, Elimelech, and his family, his wife and his two sons who are hungry. They leave the promised land. They leave Bethlehem. They go into Moab. As they grow up, his two sons uh, marry two Moabite women, and they start this family out there. And in in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we kind of have this 10-year history in three verses of really 10 years of tragedy. We see Naomi loses her husband, and also both of her sons also pass away. They both die as well. And so at the end of the fifth verse in the book of Ruth, we have kind of this odd family. We have Ruth, who is widowed and now childless. And we have both of her daughters-in-law. We have Ruth and we have Orpah, who are both now widowed, and they are both now childless. And we have this issue here where all three of these women are in need. They are in need of food. They are in need of family, just the way the culture was working. They needed some, some men to provide for them. They needed to be married. And so uh, Naomi finds out that there is bread, there is food in the house of bread again. There is, the famine is over in Bethlehem. So she says, Let's go back. Let's go back to Bethlehem. But she turns to her daughters-in-law before she goes back, and she just says to them, look, I can't provide for you. 
I can't do this for you. I'm going to go back, but I want you to go back to your people. And I, I pray that you find a husband. I pray that you find someone who can take care of you. I pray that you find someone who can provide for you, but I can't do this. And she says, I, I'm not married and I don't have a son. And even if I could get married today and guarantee that I have a son, are you just going to wait for him to grow up so you, can, so you can marry him and he can provide for you? It just sounds ridiculous. So go home, go to your families, find another husband. This is really just a, a big act of grace on the part of Naomi's part because Naomi doesn't have to let them go. Naomi, they are really supposed to provide for her at this point in their lives. Uh, and she's saying, look, I, I, I can't do this. You go back. So Orpah does. Orpah goes back. <coughs> and in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, we hear Ruth's response. And Ruth's response is essentially, I'm not going anywhere, Naomi. You can't, you can't make me go. Uh, and it's basically, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. This is kind of the speech. This, this is the speech that Ruth gives in chapter one. I, I'm going to go where you're going. Now you're not going to get rid of me. And so Naomi and Ruth, Orpah leaves. Naomi and Ruth go back to Bethlehem. Now, at the end of chapter one, we see them coming into Bethlehem and <clears throat> And people who know Naomi look at her and they say, hey, look, it's Naomi. Naomi is back. And she says, literally, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means lovely. It means beautiful. Don't call me that anymore. Call me Mara, which literally means bitter. She says, because I am bitter. This is how we leave chapter one. Chapter two comes along and they are still, we still have kind of this odd couple, right? We have Ruth and Naomi that are still, uh, they're still together. They're still in need of food. They're still in need of family. And so Ruth goes to a field. We talked last week about how God provided for the poor and the destitute in this time. And he made uh, a rule that in the fields, you were supposed to leave the corners and don't pick up anything that you dropped so that the poor people, the destitute can come behind you and gather food for themselves. This is what Naomi goes out to do. She goes out to glean in the fields. She happens to find a field, and she begins to glean in a field by the, that is owned by, the man, by a man named Boaz. Boaz, unbeknownst to Ruth, is a family member. He is part of the clan of Elimelech. The author makes sure we know that. He says that twice in the second chapter. He, he, this man is family. Not only is he family, he is a kinsman redeemer, a, a family redeemer. Basically, these people in the family had the responsibility the, uh, to provide for people in the family who could not provide for themselves. Ruth does not know that he is who he is. Naomi does, but Boaz sees Ruth in the field, asks his, asks his field workers, hey, who, who does she belong to? Who is this? And they say, this is, this is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And the town has apparently heard of Naomi because Boaz has heard of what is happening here. And the field worker even fills him in on some other details. And Boaz likes what he sees in Ruth and invites her to dinner, invites her to dinner and sends her home to Naomi with leftovers and about 30 pounds or two weeks to a month worth of barley, of food. So Naomi comes back home to Naomi, sorry, Ruth comes back home to Naomi and Naomi is just pumped about what is going on. Where, where have you been? Well, I found this field of a man named Boaz and Naomi knows immediately who Boaz is. She understands that, that Boaz is going to take care of them. And she also understands 
<coughs> excuse me, that Ruth has come home not only with food for the next few weeks, they, that she's come home with leftovers from today. Like they are, they are taken care of. This need of food, you can put a check mark by. Their need of food is taken care of, but they are still in need of family. This is where we leave off in chapter two. We leave off in chapter two just at this place. Naomi and Ruth, they are fed, but they are still in need of family. And so we get to chapter three, which is where we're going to be today. Chapter three is an interesting chapter to say the least. Chapter three uh, contains some of maybe the shadiest verses in all of scripture, to be honest. Uh, but it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting chapter. There's a lot of good things here for us to take. Uh, Ruth chapter three, uh, and like I said, this, this whole chapter uh, really takes, takes part all under the cover of darkness. It is all at night. Out, out of the action of this chapter takes, cover, takes place under the cover of darkness. We'll just, we'll get going. We're, like I said, in the last few weeks, we're just going to go slow and steady through this. We're going to see what we can see in the book of Ruth, chapter 3. Chapter 3. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Here's what Naomi is saying here. Ruth, you need a husband. <laughs> That's what she's saying. Literally, this word home here is, uh, it can be also translated rest. Uh, and it's the kind of rest that you find in a marriage relationship. She's, she's not really beating around the bush here at all. I'm not reading into this at all. In the original language, Naomi is really just saying to Ruth, Ruth, you've got to find a husband. Ruth, we, we need to get you a husband. We, I, I need to find a home for you where you will be well provided for. We have to get you married. <laughs> and she's not just saying this. Naomi has a plan. And this is kind of where the shadiness comes in, right? Verse, verse 2 here. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Two things we know about Boaz from this. Once again, we're reminded that he is a relative. In this culture, the original listeners would hear that and think he's an eligible bachelor. Because of how this whole family is situated, because uh, Ruth's husband is dead, because Naomi's husband is dead, because Orpah's husband died, there's no men in the family to have a relative who is not married. This man is an eligible bachelor. So go to to Boaz, he is a relative, he is eligible. Not only that, he's going to be winnowing tonight. Now what is winnowing? Winnowing, at the end of the barley harvest, what they would do is they would go to kind of a secluded place, usually on the side of a hill, they would take a pitchfork and they would take their barley harvest and they would literally put their pitchfork in and toss the barley in the air. What this did is there was typically a breeze when they did this or a wind when they did this. The wind would carry away the light, useless things and it would drop the barley. Right? So what you have at the end of the threshing floor is you have the, the barley, the usable barley on the ground. This is what Boaz was going to be doing that night. Verse 3. Uh, first of all, I want you to secluded is what I want you to hear out of what I just said. This is in a secluded place uh, where they're going to be doing this on the side of a hill, typically. So, verse three: Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you 
what to do. Now, the original hearers of this would have been probably blushing at this point hearing this story. This is not uh, G-rated in the least here is what we're talking about. But this this is what Naomi is telling her daughter to do. You need to go and you need to... You need to put on some perfume. Put on your best clothes. Now, what, here's what Naomi is not just telling Ruth, hey, you smell bad. There's a deeper meaning here between all of this. In fact, if you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, David does the same thing. David puts on oil. He puts on his best clothes. And it is really to signify that he is no longer mourning the death of his son. This is to signify, I'm not mourning anymore, I am moving on. I'm putting my best foot forward, literally, is what they're trying to say. I'm putting my best foot forward, I'm going to move on. Ruth is, Naomi is looking at Ruth and saying, look, <coughs> I understand we have been, we've been in mourning for years now. But it's time to move on. Put on some perfume. Put on your best clothes. Go down. Go down to the floor. Right, go down to the, to the threshing floor. And just watch him, right? Watch what he's doing. Now, I I want you to to hear this, because we're going to hear this a little bit later. This is not, in Genesis 19, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 19 a little bit when we get to the end. Genesis chapter 19 is a place where there's kind of a, a parallel here between two women who are looking for family and were willing to do anything to do it. So they get a man drunk, sleep with him, all that. So... Hearers are listening to this, thinking, I know where this is going. Wait for him to finish eating and drinking, <laughs> There's, and go lie down at his feet. Uncover his feet, which is not something you do with someone who's not your husband, and, and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Now, I want to just say here that we don't have any evidence that there's anything unpure that happens in any of this. But this is what the hearer, the original hearers, would be thinking. And we'll go there in a little bit, actually, as well. This is, this is what they're doing. But he's basically, she's basically saying, listen, I want you to put, on, put your best foot forward. It's time to move on. It's time to, to stop mourning. It's time to, to, to move on with our lives. It's time to find you a husband. Boaz is perfect for you. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the threshing floor where I know he will be tonight, where we know he will be tonight, and I want you to just stay out of sight. I want you to just watch. Wait until he's done. Wait until he's done eating and drinking, and then go down. Make sure you know where he's lying down. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Don't, don't mistake who you're doing this with. No, make, make sure you're doing it with him. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Ruth responds in verse 5, I'll do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor, did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now I want you to, again, I just want you to note, nothing here in this chapter allows us to question the morality of Ruth or Boaz in the least. We know this is kind of a shady situation. We know that Naomi has put her and him in kind of a tight spot but we don't see anything that happens that questions either of their morality here. Verse seven, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovering his feet and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Now, 
I've been reading this all week, and every single time I read this, I can't get out of my mind a picture of when Ashley was little, uh, and we were, we were still in Lompoc at the time in our apartment, and she was just learning how to like walk and get out of her bed and go to the bathroom at the same time, and so, not at the same time, but you know what I'm talking about, uh, <clears throat> and so one night, uh, or really one morning, I just remember waking up and turning over and opening my eyes and looking straight back at me is Ashley, just wide-eyed, just like, you ready? You ready to go? You ready to do something? Like, this is what, I can't get this image out of my mind as I, as I read this book. Like, he, he gets startled, and he opens his eyes, and, <laughs> I mean, you know Ruth isn't sleeping at this point, right? Like, she is, she is there. She's probably nervous. She's, Naomi's not sleeping at home either. Like, this is a, this is a big night, right? And so, so Boaz wakes up, and he looks around, and here's this woman at his feet, and he responds, who are you? Now, I've always been playing a little bit with the intonation of this this week, trying to figure out how he might have said this. Was it like, who are you? Like, who, who is this? Like, I can't see it's dark. Or is it like, who are you? Like, why would you do this? Like, why, who are you? Why are you here? Or, you know, there's just a lot of intonations, but we don't really know. He's saying, just who are you? And then she, she answers him, I'm your servant, Ruth. She said, Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, this is a super forward statement by Ruth here. I'm your servant, Ruth. Now, this is a different... Now, earlier in chapter 1, when he asks, who are you? She says, I'm your servant. She was calling herself kind of like the, the lowest of the low. I'm the lowest on your life. I don't even deserve to be called your servant. This is a different word for servant. This is a a closer relationship here that we're talking about. She says, I'm your servant, Ruth. The relationship has changed even in the way Ruth speaks about it. I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, last week, actually, yeah, chapter 2, verse 12, last week, we, we read this kind of blessing that that Boaz uh, prayed over Naomi. He says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded for the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, the word wings in chapter 2 is the same word that she is using here for garment. Spread your garment over me. She's almost like, remember that prayer that you prayed over me? I need you to be the answer to that prayer. I'm seeking refuge under your wing, under your garment. Spread your garment over me, for you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Remember, this guardian redeemer is the one who has the rights to redeem anyone in his family, which means to to marry them, to purchase their land, to basically just essentially take over the husband, take over as the husband and the leader of this family. You're the guardian redeemer of our family. And just... You can imagine just hearing this story for the first time. Maybe some of you are hearing this story for the first time. I'm just curious, how does Boaz react to this, right? How, how, what, is, what is Boaz's reaction? Because there's a lot of them. I mean, think about this. This is, this is a Moabite woman who is in the land of Moab is known as kind of this sexually explicit kind of place. I find a Moabite woman laying at my feet. I'm a reputable man in the city. Boaz has every right here to just begin to scold her, begin to push her away, begin to tell her, this isn't right, you need to go. This is, 
But this isn't what he says. In fact, verse 10, he says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, which, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. I mean, just, just think, about, think about that response there. Think about how much different that could have been, but think about the response that he says here. Everybody in my town knows how noble you are. Everyone in my town knows how good you are. He continues, although it's true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer. Good, let him redeem you. But he, if, if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Now, six measures, we don't know exactly what that is, but we know it was heavy because he had to actually put it on her, right? He had to help her put on the barley he was sending home with her. And and he went back to town. And Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? The the author of, of this just has some very interesting, they're genius in their rhetoric. This question is kind of a two-sided question. How did it go, my daughter? Like, did it go well? But also, are you still my daughter? This is, this is kind of what, what the author is doing. This is a kind of a, a two-part question here. Did it go well? Are you still my daughter? Are you going to be married to this man? There is, this is kind of a, it's a, it's a heavy question here. Uh, and then she told, every, she told her everything Boaz had done for her. Verse 17, and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother empty-handed. Now, I want you to see, I've been talking this whole three-week series about the genius of this author of Ruth. I want you to see this, how this has come full circle, okay? Ruth chapter three ends. Here, Ruth chapter one starts with, what do we need? We have Naomi and Ruth. They are in need of food. They are in need of family. End of chapter two, their food is taken care of. The end of chapter three, their family is taken care of. Because even Boaz says, like, look, there is someone that can redeem you who is a closer relative than me, but even if he doesn't, I will. There's the sense that we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And then as Ruth talks to Naomi, she tells tells her what Boaz said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Do you remember how we ended chapter 1? The Lord sent me away full, but I have come back empty. This is the words of Naomi in the end of chapter one, talking to her friends. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I am bitter. The Lord sent me away full, but I have come back empty. And then at the end of chapter three, as this need for food and this need for family are fulfilled, we have Boaz, the redeemer, who literally is saying to Naomi, don't be empty-handed. You are no longer 
emptied. Then, verse 18, Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. That's the end of chapter 3. And what a story. What a story. There's so much good stuff in this story in Ruth. Now, granted, there was, there was a little bit of shadiness here in this chapter, right? There's kind of a, a, a plan to kind of go around Boaz here and kind of force the issue maybe a little bit with him from Naomi. But, but like I said, we don't have any evidence in the book of Ruth that Boaz or Ruth gave any evidence that their morality was in question, right? We, had, we don't have any evidence that anything, any wrongdoing happened between them on this threshing floor. All we see is this, this, uh, this conversation between the two. But man, what a, what a good story. And I think even in this chapter, and even from the first three chapters, kind of collectively, we really see for ourselves a, a glimpse into, we continue to see for ourselves, a glimpse into the character of God. We talked a little bit about the character of God in week one. Last week we talked a little bit about how we see the character of God fleshed out in Boaz and in Ruth. This morning we see even just a little bit more of the character of God fleshed out. Last week in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 20, I had you circle the word kindness, loving kindness. Now this word, and the original, I know I've gone back to the original language a lot today, I apologize, but it's, it's important in this book, I think. The original word here is hesed, uh, and hesed is not just love, it's not just kindness, it's not even a kind of love and kindness that you or I should be able to show. This is a kind of love and kindness that only God can show that only God can give. It's kind of a divine love, a divine uh, kindness. And you, even, you see it three times in this book, chapter 2, verse 20, but even in this chapter today, chapter 3, verse 10, uh, <clears throat> as, uh, as Boaz responds to Ruth, uh, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. This, this has said, this kind of divine kindness that you have shown Naomi, you've shown me, is... Is, is greater than even before. This even kindness is in, in chapter one, chapter one, verse eight, uh, just, to, just one page over probably if you're following along. One verse eight, and then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands. May the Lord show his kindness to you. Uh, this, this kindness is kind of all over, kind of the, the undertone of this, of this book so far. We've seen the kindness of God. We've seen the kindness of Ruth. We've seen the kindness of Boaz. Now, all, all throughout this book, we see kind of the, the character of God through each of these. Now, I don't want to get these people con- confused with God, at least this week. We're not seeing any of these people as as a character, as kind of a caricature of God Himself, but we're seeing characteristics of God played out through these three people, and I th- really think there's there's kind of some uh, some things that we see here about the kind of love that God shows, even just in this chapter, in the first three chapters, that we can see in Ruth and in Boaz and in Naomi. I mean, here's just just a few. We see that love is patient. 
Love is patient. We see you know, Ruth and Naomi. You see the patience of Ruth even stay with Naomi as they go back. You see this is not kind of a day one, oh, there's Boaz. Let's go and, and find him. Let's go and, and tell him to redeem our family. Let's go and, yeah. They're working in the fields. The field is not necessarily a place where you're just going to walk up to, to Boaz and say, hey, have you thought about marrying me? You know, like it's just not going not to quite happen. There's some patience that has gone in here. There's some patience with each other. There's some patience that we see. We see that love is patient in, the, in this book. We see at the end of three, even at the end of chapter three, what do we find? We find Ruth and Naomi still patiently waiting, waiting to see what happens waiting to see what happens. But we know that something is going to happen. This love is patient. We see uh, later on that love is, uh, is, love protects. I mean, you see Naomi, even just in the very first few chapters, out of love for her daughters-in-law, saying, look, I can't protect you. I can't provide for you. You need to go find a husband, find a home that someone can protect you, someone can provide for you. You need to, to go and find that. I can't do that. But we see here that, that there's kind of a, this Naomi is protecting Ruth, that Boaz, even in, the, in chapter 2, as we said, is protecting Ruth. He finds out who she is, and what does he say? Don't go to any other field. You stay here, and I, I will tell my men to protect you. There is a protection here, as Boaz knows who Ruth is. There is a protection here. We see that, that there's a protection in the love of God. We see that love is pure. Again, and even in this chapter, like I said, there's just the, the initial wording of it, this kind of, this initial way that the author speaks about what is happening here with Ruth and Boaz on the threshing floor, it brings back some memories for the, for the original hearers, uh, memories of Genesis chapter 19. In fact, if you want to go there with me, we can, we can talk through that real quick. Genesis chapter 19 is kind of the other, uh, the, it, tell me why this would sound familiar. I'll just go ahead and read it for you. Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the old daughter said to the younger, our father is old, there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. Last night, that night, they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight and you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also. And the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. This is literally how the Moabites got started. And so you have this Moabite woman, and in the story, they're talking about, I'm in need of a family, go and wait for him to drink and lie down, and then go lay at his feet. Immediately, your image of what is going on here would be, this is what's going on here. We have no record of this being what is going on here. I think even in this chapter, you can see that this, this kind of love that is shown between the two of them is a pure kind of love. There's nothing in chapter 3 that makes us question the morality of Ruth or Boaz. Not one thing. 
Now, was Naomi trying? We don't know. Because what she said is definitely not G-rated. But we, what we know is that when Boaz realized what was going on, he didn't take advantage of her. In fact, he prayed a blessing over her. I think you can see here that love and, and the played as it's played out in these three characters in this book is pure. I think love provides. Love provides. I mean, this is the, the whole point of the book of Ruth so far. There is these two women, Ruth and Naomi. They are in need. They are in need of provision. They need food. They need a family. And at the end of chapter three, both have been provided. And even at the end of chapter three, you see Boaz out of love say, hey, just bring me your shawl. Let me put as much as I can into your shawl. You take it home to your mother-in-law. Don't go home empty-handed. Let me provide for you. We see the provision of love played out in these characters. But we also see, and we'll see it next week as well, that love has a price. And I think what Boaz is about to do, Boaz, to, to be able to redeem a family member, you had to go basically to the city board city elders and say, look, I'm going to redeem my family. Now, here's where this gets a little weird from, for Boaz. This is a Moabite woman. This is not, not your normal Israelite woman. And we'll find out next week that's, that's an issue. But he goes anyways, and he says, I'm going to go to the city. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to your closer relative, who is also a guardian redeemer, but if he won't do it, there's some, there's some tones there of, if he doesn't want to take this on, I will. I will. This love that we see in Boaz is a love that takes some risks. It says, I'm going to do it, even though, you know, I, even though there might be some, some price to pay here. I'm going to do it. And what we catch as we see all the way that love is characterized in this book is just a glimpse of everything just points to the character of God. I mean, think about this. Even in God, in his kind of patient holiness, he was patient with his people. You can see all throughout Scripture the patience of God with his people. People of God would walk away and he would pull them back in. They would walk away and he would pull them back in again. And he would pull them back in again and, and again and again and again. No matter how many times the people of God try to get away from God, God keeps going back and pulling them back into himself to redeem them for himself. He keeps going out and doing that. He's patient. God shelters us from his wrath, the due punishment of our sins. God delivers us and he redeems us. For through the sacrificing of his son. Uh, you, you cannot see, this is, a, this is a pretty clear gospel, and we will kind of close this out next week as well, but there is a pretty clear gospel message in the book of Ruth, a gospel message that talks about redemption, a to- gospel message that talks about uh, sacrifice and protection and providing and just experiencing the provision of God as we come under his wings, as 2.12, 2.20 says. I'm excited about next week. I'm excited to, to kind of finish off this story and kind of finish off the, uh, just what we see in the character of God in the book of Ruth. It's such a good story, such a good book. But I want you to think about this this week as you go. Where have you seen these characteristics of love 
from God in your life? Has there been a time where God has provided for you? Has there been a time when God had to protect you from something? Has there been a time when God had to shelter you, put you under his wing? Has there been a time where you've experienced the kind of love that Ruth has experienced? That Naomi has experienced? That Boaz exudes? And if there has been that time, would you just, just remind yourself of that this week? We're getting into the Thanksgiving season. Be thankful for that love. Amen. Relish that love. Tell someone else about that love. Let that be part of the story that brings someone else into the fold because you're able to share about the love that God showed to you. So as you go, I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to be thinking about the kind of love that God has shown you, the kind of protection and guidance and refuge that you have found in him. Would you just think about that? Would you share that with someone this week? And would that just kind of remembrance of the love of God just give you hope, give you courage this week as you go? Let me pray for us. God. Thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do for us every single day. God, this book of Ruth, as we have seen just through these first three chapters, we see your fingerprints all over this. We see your character all over this book, God. God, I know we've gone kind of deep into some languages. We've gone into this book, and we've gone really deep into this story, but I pray that it wouldn't lose uh, its fire it wouldn't lose its kind of power god as we see this story would we just continue to see your power your glory your love made known through these three main characters as we go forward would you just remind us of the love that you have shown us of the grace that you have shown us of the mercy that you have shown us would you remind us of a time that you were our refuge that you protected us would you remind us of a time or of the time that you paid a price for us. And would we use that and would we go forward in courage and boldness to share about your love and to make a difference in our community. God, we love you. We give you praise, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're new or haven't been a while, we, we end every service in this way. We uh, ask that you just hold your hands out, just receive a blessing uh, from God as you leave this morning. So let me pray that over you. May our God, God of grace and love, just remind you of the ways in which he has shown you love throughout your life. May you soak that in. May you remember. May you go forward with that remembrance and share that love and be courageous. May our God give you the grace and power that you need to go on through your week. May he go ahead of you, be in your conversations, in your workplaces, in your homes. May, may just all your conversations be led by him. Everything you do be led by him, that you would make a difference for him wherever you may find yourself. Go on the grace and mercy of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.